Oh yeah, we were supposed to do the Farrakhan thing of shouting our questions out at the beginning of the of the show. Yeah. You want to do it right now? Um, this, these, these are the questions. Uh, did platforms did platforms influence the 2020 election like they did in 2016? Who's in control of the platforms? Who is the censor behind them? Do we need a censor? What did Obama tell Jeffrey Goldberg? Who benefits from the QAnon deplatforming? <laughs> well, we uh, should ex we should explain if this. What is what is Parler and who is behind it? What is Gab? <laughs> if this becomes part of the podcast, we should explain that. Uh, <laughs> We are not followers of the minister of Farrakhan, but we are tickled. Uh, nor by would his he have us. Nor would he have a couple of Jews uh, like us. I don't think he would have us. But we, but we are very tickled by his rhetorical tactic of shouting the questions that his sermon will answer. It really hooks you into uh, <laughs> like, what did the Jews do this time? <laughs> Ooh, what are they up to this? On this episode of even, What Are the Jews Up To? I would love, I would love if there was a. a a Jewish conspiratorial show that was almost like MacGyver where, <laughs> you know, the, the, the elders of Zion, like figure it out again. <laughs> mm. And you thought you could fool us by hiding behind Substack, but we knew it was you. Oh yeah. Substack. We're also going to talk about Substack. We Substack, still talk about Substack. Substack. All right. All right. All right. Well, th that's what we're talking about on this episode of Seeking I was trying to do the prep. I was trying to do the prep of reading this. I I, I wasn't ready. I wanted to absorb this paragraph. So All right, I take it. it. Yeah. So this so, is so you, Ethan's reading the Obama interview. Take, yeah. So take it away. Goldberg is asking if Obama holds the tech companies responsible for how bad the conversation has gotten. Obama says, uh, and this is I don't know if this is part of the podcast or not. Uh, this is the Atlantic interview with Jeffrey Goldberg. Are you trying Obama. to determine if you should do an Obama impression or not? Because <laughs> no, I don't the podcast. <laughs> I, I never invested in doing an Obama impression. I oh, just, you don't Obama. You don't have an Obama impression. Obama impression. That's my Obama impression. That's my limited Obama. My limited Obama is da da da. That's pretty that's good, Obama. actually. That's, that's like Obama like spinning a roulette wheel. What is that? Or he's uh, there. We go. There we go. He's shooting a basket. I guess he's shooting he's a basket. He's doing a line of cocaine. That's what that is. Good powder. No nose candy. Obama knows candy. It is Obama weird that candy when we, we, we had two president. Obama. We had two presidents in a row who had a reputation for doing that when they were younger. Uh, w. Bush and Obama back to back. So I don't know. Maybe I've never maybe, done coke. Really? Have you done coke? Uh, great. Yeah, is this part? Is this part of the podcast or not? You're never gonna know. This you can't get canceled for doing cocaine anymore. You literally just had the president. Two presidents had it. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I, I will say this. Um, when when I say I have not done it. Uh, you shouldn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't something you got into. Like, we weren't no, cocaine guys. No, Although, no. probably you and I should do cocaine together. And see probably. Probably is the most, like, conducive yeah. to what our relationship is. Hey, turn up your mic just a hair, just a hair. Okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah there yeah. we go. There we go. I, I didn't have any profound thought on, on cocaine. Um, but it, it is interesting. You do have these regrets when you become 
a grown-up sometimes about not having done certain things. Mm. I, 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 I've, never do, closed. I've never done ecstasy. It's never happened. Uh, I've never yeah. been in the situation mm. uh, for it happening. And you know, now I can't find the time. I just can't find the, I can't <laughs> set aside the time. <laughs> to do ecstasy well i don't know there's like a thing of like couples like you know on their anniversaries doing like getting a babysitter and doing e together or something i, I guess feel like that's, that's like that's about to be a trend that sounds like a that could, that could happen so okay i'm gonna <laughs> read, here, read this read the, yeah read the paragraph uh, da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> uh don't hold it well okay so a little uh, don't quick... hold them accountable for what they do yeah read it uh well quick digression um Fred armison's <laughs> obama impression what a, what why a that's what a war that's a war crime and i say this with like fred armison one of the funniest people to come through snl one of the funniest fucking dudes but yeah they just didn't they did not hire someone who could do they're now i gotta say also baldwin is like not the best choice for, it's for terrible it's, it's, it's terrible it, 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 i don't know it, what they're doing here it, it, it's in a way it reveals a blockage uh for i think boomer liberals this is my thesis baldwin's impression is almost how boomer liberals hear trump and it's not admitting to something about trump uh which is that he's hilarious i mean he's mm. he's completely depraved maniac um all the bad things people could say about him obviously but the the impression itself conveys nothing actually funny about him the impression of trump is way less funny than trump and that's a problem mm. it, yeah, it, yeah 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 well i mean i you know i would think they should have you know anthony and Tamanek should have done it i think he has the best trump although that that mm. new dude has a good the good voice of trump the guy who does the, like the pokemon trump mm. have you seen I, I haven't i haven't kept track of all the trumps i i just know that we something went bad right there at SNL because everybody agreed that Daryl Hammond did a killer Clinton. Like yeah, mm -hmm. boom, you nailed Clinton. That's a perfect Bill Clinton. The Armisen and Dana Obama, Carvey did a great Bush. Dana Carvey and Dana Carvey. Da Dana Carvey did a fantastic Bush. Um, Tina Fey is Palin. I mean, like there is, yeah. like, you know, there. These are like iconic SNL. Will Ferrell's and, W. These are iconic things. Yeah, and they tried to excuse it with this well i'm not doing an exact impression it's sort of like a little impression of an impression like, get the fuck out no for armison you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, well, do but, it do but it right just hire a black comedian yeah to continue Obama. yeah i think that was the i mean and the trump is terrible i mean that's one of the upsides of uh of trump losing is just no more of the impression no more Baldwin. and uh yeah it's uh it's not great. Okay, so yeah, let me let me read this. So mm -hmm. uh, he's asked if he, the tech companies, he holds them responsible. I don't hold the tech companies entirely responsible because this predates social media. It was already there, but social media has turbocharged it. I know most of these folks. I, I've talked to them about it. The degree to which these companies are insisting that they are more like a phone company than they are like the Atlantic, I do not think is tenable. I'm so bad at reading, by the way, Matt. I'm just I'm a bad reader. <laughs> they are making editorial choices, whether they've buried them in algorithms or not. The First Amendment doesn't require private companies to provide a platform for any view that is out there. At the end of the day, we're going to have to find a combination of government regulations and corporate practices that address this because it's going to get worse. If you can perpetuate crazy lies and crazy conspiracy theories just with texts, Imagine what you can do when you can make it look like you or me 
saying anything on video. We're pretty close to that now. By the way, very generous of Obama to uh, you. Uh, you know, imagine how bad it's going to get when it's like me or you, Jeffrey. You know, famous <laughs> Jeffrey Goldberg. You know, and like that also, could really. I will, although I will say, but, uh, Obama <laughs> implying that he's going to start making deep fakes. If that's what he's been spending his time doing, is learning how to do deep fakes right now, and Obama will be unleashing a torrent of incredible deep fakes on it. I mean, I, I would love to see that. Da da da. Deep fake. Uh, deep fake for you. What would he even deep fake? What is Obama uh, like? He, does he like, I'm like just jazz tickled. and basketball and stuff I, I, like that? I, I, I'm just tickled by, by the whole Jeffrey Goldberg thing, how he has become Obama's go-to and is so obsequious. I guess as we all would. Um, you know, we're all jock sniffers are to a certain degree um and yeah Ethan, he, what would you do if you could begin if you could get the exclusive interviews with obama what so would you give up what would you sacrifice what, what would i say what kinds of questions would i ask i have mm -hmm. no idea i've never given it any thought but it is funny i just like the buttering him up of yeah when they can deep fake me or you or you you know <laughs> or you so many people when, it, when Jeffrey Goldberg's walking down the street are just asking, are you, are you, are you Jeffrey Goldberg? Um, okay. So <laughs> then, then Goldberg asks, uh, it's that famous Steve Bannon strategy, flood the zone with shit. Obama, if we do not have the capacity to distinguish what's true from what's false, then by definition, the marketplace of ideas doesn't work. And by definition, our democracy doesn't work. We are entering into an epistemological crisis. I can have an argument with you about what to do about climate change. I can even accept somebody making an argument that, based on what I know about human nature, it's too late to do anything serious about this. The Chinese aren't going to do it. The Indians aren't going to do it. And that the best we can do is adapt. Man, I, I feel like Obama secretly thinks that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he knows that position pretty well. This is like, the, he I've heard this is like the Greenland. This is like like people in Greenland yeah. are like secretly he, he like pro climate change because it's gonna make their country great. I mean he did buy a massive mansion on Martha's Vineyard, right by the ocean. I mean I'm starting mm. to wonder. Like what Obama well, but then, climate but change denier? Then he's gonna flood he's gonna flood the flood. zone of his house with the yeah. shit of water that is rising. Yeah. I disagree with that. But I accept that it's a coherent argument. I don't know what to say if you simply say this is a hoax that the liberals have cooked up and the scientists are cooking the books and that footage of glaciers dropping off the shelves of Antarctica and Greenland are all phony. Where do I start trying to figure out where to do something? Um, yeah. And I think that's the, uh, that's the end of that particular section, uh, this idea that tech needs to be regulated. And Obama is saying something right there that I think would be more resonant with you than with me. Uh, the idea oh, okay. that yeah, I was I was like dead. I was like Obama is dead on. He gets this. I'm I'm excited for him to say these things because I think that the deep understanding that he is getting at that I don't think a lot of other places get is that the algorithms themselves are editorial choices. I think that's like a very good message to broadcast to people, and that these places that it's untenable. What he's saying that these these the, for these companies to believe that they are not editors when they are. Mm. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with Barack Obama, which is a well, controversial thing to do to agree with Barack Obama. I, I, <laughs> I, I, maybe, maybe in some corners of the internet. Um, but it just seems like he's right about it not being tenable, but then none of the solutions are tenable. Yeah, theoretically, it would be good if somebody could be the arbiter of epistemology, but that person doesn't exist. And it, part of the issue is that 
the prestige institutions have revealed themselves to be so clownish in this particular epoch, driven by the same technology that Obama's referencing. And well, you're saying revealed themselves to be. What what is that? What do you mean by that? Like, what you're saying that like the New York Times ha was always like uh, clickbaity, but now that no, clickbait no, exists, no, 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 they're no. even more I'm, so. No, I, the more so. I, I wouldn't say always. I think that these... these well, but you said, the, you said the word revealed, whereas I think I would argue that what you should be saying is transformed. Mm. You've, we've transformed these media institutions into being ones that survive in the world of clickbait, dopamine, media platforms. And in order to survive, so you've got I, to play I think those it's, games. I think it's way less about economic incentive, although economic incentive is there. I think it's way more about social incentive. And um, these have become groupthink devices. And uh, it seems as though these rapid fire consensuses form and you get punished for uh, going contra the narrative. Um, and I think that's that that has created crazy outcomes and denial and people all rushing. I mean, we'll use one example because it's a fairly benign one in the grand scheme. There are examples we could use that would be more controversial. But that crazy weekend with the uh, the Covington MAGA hat kids where mm, mm -hmm. that just became the story and it turned out to be all erroneous, total bullshit. But I guess at that particular moment, it scratched the itch of the journalists of prestige institutions that there are these smirking white MAGA hat kids uh, who were being mean to uh, a tribal elder. That was the term that was used again and again. And... It, it all fell apart, but it was just one of many illustrations. Of well, how sure. I, and just to, yeah. just to just as use from from the I think right now we're seeing the same exact thing with these voter fraud claims that just keep yeah. falling apart completely that you see. And at least I see on 4chan or on Twitter. Yeah. just coursing rapidly all the way to Donald Trump Jr. But, but, but like see, some but conspiracy you, theory but, or some question or something that then quickly is codified and then it all falls apart. But, but you see the difference, which is that there isn't anybody who is saying, you know, who really needs to be the kings of epistemology for Chan. I mean, that's not that's not happening. People aren't saying that that needs to happen versus, you know, these institutions, I think, are making a bid to say we should be in charge of saying what's true and what's not true. And the tech companies should be reifying our judgment. What, what do you disagree about that Obama that Obama clip clip that Obama clip of you? Well, what's Obama. funny is, in some ways, I don't disagree with the diagnosis. I disagree that there's a cure. Um, I I don't see I, I I see him describing a job that would be so necessary and wonderful if anybody was fit to do it. But part of the issue is that the so-called experts have never looked more detached from reality. I think the professional class of America writ large has never been dumber collectively. And I think a lot of it has to do- But this is do... a subjective opinion that you're giving Yeah, right but this is my opinion. I mean, that's uh, that's what this podcast <laughs> is for. This is my subjective opinion. But I, but I think that, so I think Obama, at least in this interview, while he's trying to sell this book, is comfortable portraying this reality of what's really gone wrong is this kind of- right-wing craziness on the social media stuff and that's really the problem I, he never said right-wing 
No, he does in the in the interview. Like, you, well, all right, but in this yeah. specific thing yeah. here, and in, in other times, and in other times, in other settings, he'll say it's he'll say it's an everybody thing. Um, sure, and, but like, but I think about this in particular. We're saying that the problem with these social media platforms is mm -hmm. that they simply. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, the, the lie travels faster than the truth does. Yeah. So even if you had somebody who like provided truths I, I, that you me, want, yeah, it wouldn't I, my, get there fast enough. And it you know, well, there you go. And they're it working really fast. This, the, this, the, the yeah. voters, like the voter fraud stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been very impressed that every time, almost every time I've seen something pop up very quickly, it gets debunked. There's like a meme yeah. going around 4chan right now of like the debunked guy debunked. And then mm -hmm. like a re and then they like rebunk, but, <laughs> but it's all, but it's always like wrong. They're all wrong. They're just like, these yeah. are all like, well, and, and look, I mean, it's a totally different thing that we should call a spade a spade that the right wing does traffic in you know especially right now you can just see it clear as day in things that are not factual and things that are you know detrimental to human lives and well, health there i mean well right now especially their guy lost and so there's coping but i think that you did see something similar following 2016 the obsession with russia uh, in the aftermath of that um so but i i could definitely be persuaded that there's more of this there's more of this on on the right side of things, but to me, this is a distraction from the broader from the broader points, which is that nobody is actually qualified to do this job and do this regulation that Obama wants. Um, I wish I had some sort of solution. I, I, do. I don't. <laughs> well, but, but I do, Ethan. I agree I, with I, you. I know you. I think, think you that do. they simply no. I, but I, I, I don't. Simply think I don't trust these... you to solve. I don't trust you to solve it. But that's okay. <laughs> a I'm live not... like me. A fucking <laughs> socialist live like me, like Kleinman. It's not even, it's, benefit it's, his it, side. It, no, I yeah. think that I very much I believe that the pro. It's just that this is an intractable solution that cannot be solved. Therefore, we just we just have to take ourselves out of this situation. We mm. cannot be in a situation where journalism and media. Like organizations, the, yeah. the way they get their message out is through these platforms. That simply just shouldn't be how it is. Yeah. And so we should kick them off of these platforms. There's, the New York Times shouldn't be on Facebook. Dan Bagoingo shouldn't be on Facebook. <laughs> he should have his own is, website. Is that how to and pronounce if, his name? <laughs> it's not, but it's, it's the way that I pronounce it in my head every <laughs> single time I see it. If Dan Bagoingo wants to have <laughs> a website that he sends people to, and if his fans want to post those links on Facebook, and then that drives traffic organic. I think that's completely fine. You don't have to fact check, you know, just normal fucking people saying crazy shit on Facebook. Yeah. If those people don't have the capability to become media organizations themselves that then can pay Facebook to spread their information. It's really very simple. People, no non people on Facebook. That's, that's the way to do it. So here, let, let, let me, let me, let me, let's move to like a, a slightly adjacent topic. Cause I want to get mm. my crackpot theory out here about mm. something that I'm, if I'm right about, then that's great. And if I'm you wrong, then the Maybe I'll be, think, I'll be ca canceled. You for think this. the election was stolen? <laughs> I think the election was stolen, and I think the election. I think I think we need to. Uh, the, the election, in my mind, was stolen by Donald Trump. That's what's so crazy. What, what? you don't see is he wanted Biden to win so that he can drum up his media you know, organization you, you, and buy you, you up know, it is it is such a better situation because Trump doesn't want to be president. Why would he want to? He, he just wants he to likes campaign. All he wants, it, he loves running for, he just loves campaigning. <laughs> Why would he want to do anything else? He hated being president. He was terrible at it. No. He just wants to pretend. He just wants to fucking cosplay as president. He just wants to talk, he just, 
gets to talk shit. None of the problems are, 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 are but here, so here, here's the question I want to pose to you. Cause yeah. I think it's the important question for us to ask at the top of this, for our first episode after the election, which is did platforms influence, did social media platforms influence the election this time in the same degree that I was contending they did in 2016. Mm. And I don't know if you ever got on board with that theory, but I feel like we talked about it a lot, but I've never, now we I've have another never, one. I've never been on board with that theory. Never. I've never Four been years. on board with it. I just, I simply can't get them on you board. You can't, you can't. <laughs> I think that but, there is. But, a, I, but you would, could, you know what? So now because my guy won, because Biden won, and now am I saying that platforms suddenly don't influence or did they influence them like Biden did? Did the regulations that, that these companies did, did that help make a fairer so, election in my mind or uh, an election that wasn't okay. as tainted by crazy memes, spreading conspiracy theories? Like, I don't know. Shoot why, me down. Why did, what, you just pr- why, why did you just pronounce that like Cernovich? Um, uh, conspiracy <laughs> theory. Uh, the, yeah. This is how you get people to listen to you online. You, so, you so, have a gorilla hey. mindset where you speak. So, um, a gorilla mindset. So, so uh, look, I will allow for the idea that the modality uh, influenced the outcome. Uh, I can't measure it. I think it's very possible, right? Um, in more ways than one, actually. I think if uh, there's all this talk on the right wing of things about fraud, 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 and I think maybe what we're seeing is that the modality of the election changed to a terrain that was more favorable to Biden. That if this was a standard in-person voting election, Trump wins, and by opening it up to mail, Trump loses, but that doesn't mean that there was fraud involved in the loss. It's just that these conditions were more favorable to a certain kind of uh, low propensity suburban voter who favored Biden. But now I'm rambling. I uh, suppose, but, but the but, very but, fact but, that you had to I'm, vote by mail became a position, a political issue because it was because of this disease that Donald Trump has done a terrible job of controlling. Yeah. Well, again, it's it's very tangled. It's very tangled in that in that case. But I'm just throwing that out as a is mail in voting the 2020 yeah. version of Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I'm just throwing that out as the modality has an influence on the outcome and then we read the tea leaves of where the country's mood is and maybe uh there are these external factors that that determine the outcome and that could be true with trump winning in 2016 but there is something i believe there there is a blind spot okay i think there's a blind spot in liberal world um where the people who vote for right-wing shit always have false consciousness. They don't actually like the things they like. They're not into the things they're into. The problem is that they're getting tricked and they're getting snookered. It's it's a lot like the right-wing arguments about how like black people are getting tricked into voting for the Democratic Party. It's not that they mm-hmm. just like the Democratic Party. Um, and I think you even see elements of it in this interview with some of the things Obama uh obama's saying that you know the problem is it's it's the algorithms and it's the and i i look to the i look to the example of um sleeping giants and how they 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 do activism to try to get uh right-wing people uh canceled basically and they were very successful in leveraging bill o'reilly's uh humiliating uh gross sex scandals to get him kicked off of fox news and that was their big scalp that they collected and they were so happy about <laughs> it they're big like loofah loofah moisturized <laughs> scalp they're they're, they're, they're bloody loofah they're bloody loofah that they collected <laughs> and then what was the upshot of that well, Tucker Carlson took over that Our time boy slot. Tucker came back. Our boy Tucker, <laughs> Tucker, I mean, Tucker, come on. Tucker took over, and, and that, and he is. They've Cucked been going. 
they've been going at him in the same in the same way trying to get him off the air but there's never a pause uh at which anybody asks well this guy is so much less acceptable to you than the guy you just forced out what is the end game here what is the end game is the end game just to make i don't, I don't know like rachel maddow the the you know top time slot on fox news no <laughs> right-wing people like right-wing shit and there's always going to be a right wing. There's always going to be a conservative uh, force against the progressive force. Nobody's ever going to win outright. And I think sometimes there's just too much focus on the mediums and the modalities. And there's a lot of denial. And there's also just a denial of maybe a lot of people voted for the other guy because your policies have failed because they don't like you for reasons that are actually understandable. But do you, okay. But do you disagree with the fact that like a lot of right-wing people voted for, you know, there was momentum for Trump in 2016 because of Pizzagate. And there was seemingly a lot of momentum because of QAnon. And right now there's momentum against wearing masks and like four people dying of the coronavirus because of misinformation and things that just like shouldn't be believed and shouldn't be followed. Is there responsibility to stop those kinds of things from spreading maybe i'm just thinking when you say stop what kinds of things specifically Conspir specifically about? a false claim about how coronavirus is uh, how coronavirus isn't so bad or how coronavirus how masks don't help for mm -hmm. example like is there a responsibility well, to stop that so, misinformation so from spreading there's a big question here because i think we both are under we, we both agree on how it's possible to cancel a person this idea that anybody you cancel just gets stronger I think is a fantasy and a cope for right. We deplatformed Milo and he's yeah, been gone. He, he's been gone, but I don't know if you can cancel an idea. I don't know if it works. Well, the okay. Same so, way. so here's, okay, here's my, it's crackpot like ripping theory. water. Yeah. Well, here's my crackpot theory. All right. And again, I don't know if I'll be canceled for this idea or not, but there's oh. been so much going on about the Latino vote for Trump, right? Mm -hmm. That there was a higher Latino vote for Trump in this election than was expected. Yes. Right. You know, you got your Miami Dade County, but also, you know, all these towns and whatever it was. And, you know, sure, there can be reasons for this. A lot of these are like older, you know, a lot of older men who own businesses are Latino. Yeah. And, and also, I totally agree. We shouldn't look at any ethnic group as a as a monolith or whatever. But <laughs> but I am throwing this out here, which is that in the lead up to the election, Facebook did do, I think, a good job getting rid of deplatforming QAnon. They like I there was a point where I was able to, you know, search for QAnon on things and find them very easily all over Facebook. There was a point uh, a few weeks before the election where I myself was saying, Jesus Christ, I'm seeing much more insane memes on Facebook than I am on 4chan. And I think that, you know, they're essentially you're, you're worse if you're somebody who's creating and programming Facebook right now than somebody working on 4chan uh, based on what I was seeing that did go away. They did successfully deplatform QAnon to some degree and I think have been doing a good job job of stopping the spread of certain forms of misinformation to the point that I think there wasn't the same crescendo of misinformation and conspiracy leading up to the election like there was in 2016 of like the meme wars that I think had some small energetic influence on that campaign. I don't think that happened here. Uh, and I think that that potentially in my mind helped there be a less misinformation informed election. However, 
My theory is that Facebook did not do that same due diligence in Spanish because mm. of course they wouldn't because they're, you know, a bad company that think only thinks, you know, American centric, English centric, and they didn't do as good of a job deplatforming QAnon and conspiracy theories that were in Spanish on Facebook or WhatsApp and that those I things still it, spread it, and that led to a larger surge in uh, Spanish language people getting that kind of misinformation, which would then turn into what looks to us as a higher Latino I, vote I, I, surge I, for Trump than we would expect. I think that's a fascinating sociological theory, but what's interesting is it might be illustrative of a bigger trend that accounted for uh, the Latino shift towards Trump, which is that the, and I'm gen, I'm doing massive generalizations here, but that's all just, we're doing right now. It's all we're doing. Massive stereotyping. Stereotyping. I think the liberal professional class is not that interested in in Hispanic America. I mean, I just think they're just not. They're just not. They're not that interested in what happens in uh, rural desert communities uh, along the border. It, it's just not an object of fascination. I think what obsesses what obsesses um, professional class, especially white liberals, um, is the racial original sin of the United States. Um, the black-white dynamic, how to somehow atone, how to somehow make things right, how to be one of the good ones. Um, this is the all-consuming obsession. They are not nearly as interested um, in this other demographic that uh, is equally populous, and of course, neither demographic is a monolith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what you're saying is interesting, um, and there's an interesting cause and effect, but it also might be illustrative of just this broader trend, which is this is the this is the plant that's not getting any water in general. Right. And in general, from, that from, this is a dem this is a yeah. constituency that isn't being fed by Democrats as a whole. Yeah. I I potentially... and, it's being, and it's being taken for granted and, sure. and it's being it's being pandered to in the most clunky ways of uh, Joe Biden playing Despacito like he's Jiggle Billy out of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Um, they're not doing a good job. They're not doing a good job. Despacito. I love it. Despacito. <laughs> folks, folks, I love this Despacito. I love Mr. Despacito. So, uh, yeah. So, it, it, again, these things are hard to disentangle. But I like your theory. I, I, I like your theory. What I like about it is that it creates it, it, like like an experiment, right? Like with an independent variable here, where we can see that the because Facebook is racist, that they don't have enough Spanish-speaking moderators, and so they were unable to tamp down on misinformation in the, with this one independent variable among Latinos, probably older Latinos who are, you know aren't as critical about the but WhatsApp you, memes the that way, they're getting. Well, 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 but but then the the uh, mm. and it's an experiment that we can then kind of verify a similar a dynamic to what was in 2016, but now we have both things happening. One group that had misinformation squashed and one group where that misinformation continued to some degree and did it lead to an increase in Spanish-speaking voters because they were getting these conspiracies about socialism or about Q, about whatever, about Biden but, and but suppressed I think, their but vote. But by the way, you, you, I think you're still falling perhaps a bit prey to the idea that they could only vote this way out of some sort of false consciousness or conspiracy theory. I am. I, mean, I am it, saying that. 
well, because so, so for example, like, like, a lot like, of these could, were immigrants from, not, social, from 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 company from countries. Yeah. So, so for example, this is like Cubans, a big surge mm. in Cubans for Trump, which because I think along among a lot of these people, the the message did get out that Biden was a socialist and that they don't want anything to do with socialism and they will vote against socialism. Meanwhile, there's absolutely no evidence that Biden is a socialist candidate. And if anything, he got picked by the Democratic Party because he was the least socialist person. I think my counter is that uh, Trump's Cuba policy was more hard line. He had more hard line Cuba policy versus Obama wanting to open up. And that seemed to have struck a nerve and that seemed to have resonance in Florida. And as per the socialism, yeah, Biden, not a socialist, but democratic socialism became this trendy term uh, constantly bandied about in prestige media. Uh, AOC became this very prominent, famous uh, figurehead of the party, even if the party didn't necessarily want her to be. And there was a reaction to that. So I don't see these things as necessitating conspiratorial thinking. I think that's going to happen. I think there's going to be a degree of that. Um, and, and I don't know. I think that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, I believe, are looking at the Democratic Party right now and as awful as Trump is in so many ways, there's not a lot there. There's not a lot of a, a message that's galvanizing. There's not a lot in terms of policy. I'm not even sure uh, what Biden ran on primarily beyond being a nice guy. And so when that happens, it's just not surprising to me that certain demographics would, would shift red. Um, and I don't think that it's something that necessarily follows out of control, Facebook conspiratorial thinking. I guess I agree. I mean, I, this is something I agree to disagree. I just think that what people see is what the, the media that they like. I also don't think that these like, you know, Cuban voters were looking at, you know, the Atlantic and seeing, you know, or these like what you're saying of like the elitist media and picking it apart and saying like, I don't know if the I don't know if, if liberals have settled on if woke liberals and, and moderate liberals have settled on a, on a platform together that I can get behind. I'm but not the, sure if that's something that they were thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about a lot of different people making a lot of different choices, but I just don't think that there was anything all that resonant. Um, I don't think that there was anything there. There was no there there, which is frankly why the Democrats uh, didn't. I mean, they they had a really bad go of it outside of mm. Biden beating Trump. Uh, they didn't pick up any. Well, seats. but this was the deal. This is the deal. Of the devil. Biden wasn't like the greatest candidate. We all settled for Biden because, uh, as you point out, he was a nice guy. <laughs> that, he that would have been a be... great sign. Like settle for Biden. This was this was a whole movement. <laughs> settle for Biden was like a whole movement, especially in Philly. I've been told of like people putting out signs and T-shirts of like rah rah settle for Biden. <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was like that's the thing. But th that was the deal with the devil we made in order to get rid of Trump because we all agreed that like. This is horrible. But you expect, but you expected to have coat. I mean, this is unprecedented. This is unprecedented, uh, or at least a hundred years. For him not years. to have coattails. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't think it, this has ever happened with a, a Democratic president coming in without a majority in the Senate well, I mean, for the last hundred like, years. Can you point to the fact that maybe a two-party system is, has always been awful, but in, particularly, in particular right now, in which we're all looking at our own different feeds and we're all looking at our own different realities, it's particularly untenable to have a, uni a unified party that has a position that people can all get behind. Yeah, but then you would have expected uh, there not to be so much ticket splitting. I mean, ticket splitting was theoretically a thing of the past. And... Um, I do think, I mean, both parties have their own unique 
issues right now um and their own obstacles uh this is this is almost faustian right currently for the democrats they, they could find a way out of it things could like we're getting into the realm of punditry i mean just the amount of politics we've talked already makes me uncomfortable because <laughs> i right, love well, here, here. well I, I love thinking about politics i love talking about politics but the emotionality uh warranted emotionality because it determines life and death on this big scale, right? So you don't want to be glib about it or too horse racy about it. But it also then, because of the high stakes, prevents people from being rational and cool-headed about it. But uh, yeah, we, we could get into the political aspect, but I, I, I think well, I here, just, here. I'm making this general point. Here, here's my general point. It's one of epistemology. It's one of, I think currently... Uh, professional class, which is very aligned with the Democratic Party, almost as an organism uh, in the social media era. Uh, my people, everybody I'm surrounded by, with, everybody I know, um, I don't think that they are currently as capable of accepting anything counter-narrative, any information that's counter-narrative, anything that runs against their, their perception of the world. And in that environment, do I really want to trust these people to be the arbiters of what's true and what's false and to have heavy handed censorship tools at their disposal? I don't think that I'm so keen on doing that, even if I'm with you on how this is all out of control and it's going to cause a civil war and, and ruin us all. Well, all right. So I let's move on to a separate topic, which is related, which is, I mean, I, is flagging censorship? I would joke <laughs> like flags are fucking stupid. But, yeah, let, I just but let's feel, move I on. Just feel, I just feel insulted when I see it. I just go, when you see a flag, it's like I'm a, I'm an adult. I, wait, I, I'm gonna look at a Trump tweet and go, like, oh, I guess that's true. I guess. They, uh, but know, a lot of people fucking do. But yeah. a lot of people do, yeah. and a lot of those people get mad that the that the flags say that they're not true when they, he's saying things that aren't true. Okay, he literally but, said he like, won the election. But who is this person who reads a Trump tweet and? He says, I won the election by a lot. And then there's that little alert. And then they read the alert and they go, well, I guess he didn't win it by a lot. I mean, this is just so it's revealing in a way of a certain attitude that it's one of lack of trust of people to make their own decisions. I think that this has infected the general professional class, this lack of trust for the plebs ever since, especially ever since they uh, that Trump was elected. It's this idea of. You can't trust these people to make their own decisions. We need to, from a very top-down managerial perspective, be letting them see what we want them to see, not letting them see other things, and we need to determine it. And that's something that makes me very uncomfortable and I don't think leads to good ends. I'm far more on the side of a little more chaos, a little more laissez-faire, a little more, okay, there are QAnon theories on Facebook, and we're just going to have to live with that than you are. But the problem is that these platforms are meant to spread They're prop. They're meant they're built as propaganda machines. So they're meant to spread that misinformation. It's not as if just like some Joe, Joe Schmo guy is printing a pamphlet about QAnon. It's that that guy has been given the, you know, the publishing power of the Boston globe to spread that as much as they want. Mm. I said the Boston globe 
so I didn't say the New York Times just because I want to acknowledge that there used to be other newspapers. Yeah, it's all, well, they they there's this Pareto principle where the few big ones have just soaked up. They've soaked which up is all the itself money. terrible. The fact that it is correct that the New York Times shouldn't be the only fucking publication that exists. All right, let, let, let's move on to a related mm. topic that I want to get into because I think it's fun, which is Parlor and Gab. Oh, and yes. you and I both spent a little bit of time checking out Parlor and Gab, and I want to kind of review them for our audience a little bit uh, because I think they're interesting spaces. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that I like that there's this idea going that now everyone's going to just defect from Twitter over to parlor, which mm-hmm. is, I think very funny. Uh, but uh, the, I, I, what is your take on parlor and gab? You've taken a look at parlor so more it, than gab. It seems like parlor is upmarket gab. It seems like gab is uh, quite tainted from the, uh, from, from, that era in Charlottesville and it became more associated with uh, being a safe space for racism and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And that, that almost became part of its branding that kind of undermined its ability to perhaps get more influencers on board. And maybe there were more technical issues. And it seems like parlor is more of a, a safe space for normie conservatives and, you know, a place that I think Sean Hannity, when I was looking at the parlor, it was like, follow Sean Hannity. It was just, just what is so, Sean, so- what is Sean Hannity going to parlor <laughs> about? Um, and it seems like maybe it's about timing. Maybe it's about approach. Maybe you could make a weird analogy to uh, medium being too early and Substack coming along at just the right time. Um, but there is this bigger issue too with it. Uh, well, do you want to get into the bigger issue of us cordoning off conversations? Or do I you do, want to but first, first I, you, you I want to get you want to do compare contrast. I got. You. I do a little. I do want a little bit, especially for our our listeners who maybe haven't delved into these things. I think mm-hmm. a few things to point out, which you just did when you log on to Parler, it does the thing, and we must remember this is what Twitter did also when you started. Was it gave you a bunch of recommendations of who to follow to start, and Parler it was it was basically exclusively Fox. Fox News hosts and like B tier conservative, like, you know, Diamond and Silk, Dan Bagoingo, you know, uh, the, I, I didn't even get things like the Babylon B or things like that. I had to search them out that would are also Babylon things B, that which gave you a, sh- which gave you a shout out in the wall street journal. They did. They did. <laughs> But the, 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 but whatever, you know, they, it felt very establishment to me. It felt very much like if Fox news had created their own social media. Do you remember that? Remember when the NBA forced you to use like the, or ESPN forced you to use yeah. their own short, social short media? stop. Yeah. They wanted yeah, to right. create their own. Yeah. Right. And, and they thought it would work, but it didn't because everybody was on Twitter. It yeah. parlor felt like if Fox news had made one of those, mm. th- th- that's what it feels like to me. It feels more conservative. Also, the, the censorship idea is totally fake on Parler. The, the, if you, you look at interviews with the guy, he explicitly says, for example, there is no pornography on Parler. You cannot post nude photos on Parler, which mm. say what you will about censorship on Twitter. It's amazing how much hardcore, hardcore pornography is on Twitter. And you <laughs> just have to like do a little bit of digging to find it. But it's incredible that it doesn't pop up all the time to you. And I guess it's a testament to their algorithms. But you can't do the same thing on Parler. <laughs> Warning, this money shot scene is enhanced. This is not yeah, Israel. <laughs> Some people, the, the fact that this woman moaning in pleasure is disputed by experts. This may not be authentic behavior. <laughs> but, this is not, <laughs> this is not as satisfied to the intended. 
<laughs> See what experts have to say about whether or not this position is pleasurable. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Drilling someone's skull into the ground while having sex. But, yeah. Yeah. but but so I don't know how 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 free speech zones these are anyway. It well, seems to I me think... they're conservative. They are positioning themselves to be conservative friendly and conservative mm. speech zones. Well, I think what they would ideally want would probably be a place where everybody would be because that would be interesting or at least more interesting. Well, what I think what they really want if I'm just generalizing again for from the right and how they talk about these things I think there there's jealousy of the cachet that the New York Times and some of these other legacy institutions have, and that would be the optimal. That would be the ideal uh, for them to actually be a partner in these institutions. But they're not. They're not a partner in these institutions. And um, I mean, the New York Times. We're, we're what four years into this. The New York Times doesn't have a single op-ed writer who voted for Trump. Um, I mean, I mean, think about that. That's really crazy. And, and the response when I would bring something like that up is, well, he's so beyond the pale and so awful. And that's both sidesism. I mean, that's what you hear a lot of the time is that would be both sidesism. And like, I don't know if it would be in an op-ed page, like for an op-ed page. But why page, are you ascribe? but you're like yeah. ascribing, you ascribe a responsibility to something like the New York Times that you're saying that a, a company like Twitter shouldn't have. No, I'm not a responsibility I, I'm to not like have both sides. No, no, I'm not ascribing a responsibility. I'm just state, saying this is the state of play, which is that the most prestigious institutions, more so than in the past, have found modern conservatism completely unacceptable. And but modern get... conservatism doesn't do the work. Like this is the problem. Like the New York yeah. Times does very good reporting. When when Hannity is up here talking about how you yes indeed you can hack Dominion and Diebold machines and like teens do it at hacking conferences all the time as like they're they're you know they're for a competition. He's citing the New York Times because the New York Times is doing the work and he like holds it up like this is the New York Times saying this because there is no equivalent on the conservative side doing investigative reporting doing truth. Building. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be good advice for the conservative movement. Would be to build. <laughs> good advice. That's not just this is like what discredits them wholly. I'm just That's explaining. I'm just explaining what I see out there. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, that's that's what they should do. But it's also just the fact that uh, these institutions have the most cachet ag- among wealthy people, which is one of the reasons why I think that the Democrats, Democratic Party, saw their biggest gains in wealthy areas. Right? Like it's becoming uh, almost symbiotic in that way, and uh, people of status. Right? Um, and they are shut out of that, and it doesn't seem like the current culture of these institutions believes that you should have. Uh, multiple voices or multiple advantages. They, they they regard that as both sidesism. They don't care that over 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. They don't see that as legitimate to have such a voice in their institutions. So given that, I think it's probably a natural consequence that these conservatives are going to build their own social media institutions as they are. And then we're faced with this new problem before it was bad enough with the filter bubbles on these platforms that everybody's using is it going to be even worse when it's not just how filtered it is on one medium but the whole entire fucking mediums are going to be different i mean that's something that's genuinely uh, terrifying to contemplate 
Yeah. Well, but aren't, are these places just the comment sections of these websites? So like, to, let me, let me crystallize what you're saying. Like social cachet wise is, mm. <laughs> is the point of working at the New York times just so that you can say that you worked at the New York times on Twitter, you know what I mean? Mm. And just to yeah. put it on your bio, is that like, what gives you the cred? And will that be the same thing on, on, on parlor that, you know, you work for the, the, you know, the gateway, the, the, the daily caller or the gateway pundit or whatever mm. like that, that like that's in your parlor bio. And that's why you should be listening to in this place that is oh, the actual always, discourse there's always going to be a status game i i think right there's always but is it all be, the yeah. status game and that's what you're kind of saying it, it sort of is that well these there things is no, are well, they've all been that's the, that's the inherent the that yeah that's the inherent sick thing about it all is that it's one big status game and we pretended it's about something else and some high-minded conversation or uh doing good politics but we're all being gamed i mean the way twitter works is it just gives you a dopamine hit based on how many retweets you're getting and you see how many followers you have compared to somebody else. Let, like, let me and, pose it like, let's, yeah. what if we made a regular, literally a, a regulation that separated press from social media? So the instant that you become a staffer at the New York times, you are no mm. longer allowed to have a Twitter feed. You are, like, what you, I, I agree. Why does that feel so good? And it's because, but like, so part of well, the argument but, you're making right okay. now is that these institutions yeah. are now too beholden to people yelling at them on Twitter and their status on Twitter. But, you know, we should, if we consider Twitter to be what I think it is of just a media institution, then why are competing media institutions who compete for the same ad dollars, like the New York Times does, why do they allow their writers to be on those platforms? And because, in case, the writer, in fact, the, because the writers want it. I mean, that's, that's a lot of it. The writers want it in theory it began about this is advertising this gets the link out I mean, it does to a degree i the only thing i don't know if you follow what i do on twitter but i pretty much like 99 percent of my tweets are just here's the link to something i did i i mm -hmm. don't I don't like But this it was anymore. after you spent years cultivating a following by, you know, by live, you know, tweeting games and giving yeah. like lots of commentary and providing sure. lots of things on uh, Twitter and, and then you became woke. You became in my Twitter view woke. social media woke, yeah. which was just don't engage. Yeah, I <laughs> and well, this yeah. is a horrible cancer. Yeah. And, and now are, are are dealing with it in a way that I think well, is both also, more responsible and more mentally healthy. I also think the thing itself changed. And this is a theme in our conversations, which is a certain meta awareness gets corrupting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all right. Well, but, but at the risk of getting too down the Twitter path, that's not, which is now what we're talking about. Let's talk about the the, uh, the most unmeta aware uh, social network, Gab. Mm. Gab, Gab to me, Gab, Gab is is the conservative uh, social network of choice to my eyes. This is what <laughs> I like. This is an anarchy. This is just a cesspool in the best possible ways. It's just uh, the guy, the Christ figures heavily in Andrew Torba, the man who created it. His, uh, the, the next to his verification check on his own website is a is is a cross. Mm. Uh, cr cr Jesus is king is famously what he he says, and I know this because of all the emails I get ah. from from Gab. He also sends out heavily. This is the other thing though; the, these people are like creating. Uh, supposedly like free speech zones, but they're extremely partisan. They're going they're, uh, you know, I guess they're claiming like they, anybody is welcome on gab, but the messaging that they put across, they're far more conservative in what they say than Zuckerberg or, uh, Dorsey are liberal. Well, have in what you they interacted? Have you interacted on gab? Have you felt welcome? 
with the things uh, you I said? should. I should like comment. I mean, what am I gonna it's like it, you know, it's not really like Is do they have a do they have sort of a, a, a Colms of Gab? Does that exist? The Colms of Gab. I don't I don't know if anything's like shaken out yet. You know what I mean? What I like about Gab as opposed to Parlor is it's simpler. Parlor is just you go on Parlor and there's like fucking five ba- every, there's like badges upon badges that everybody the levels of verification on Parlor should make anybody mm. very suspicious about what the deal is with it. It also apparently was started by like the Mercers or whatever who were sh- you know shit all over Facebook and then have made a worse it, version. Rebecca Rebecca Mercer is the one. Yeah, behind. Rebecca Mercer. Or, yeah, yeah who, who, who like funded Cambridge Analytica or whatever, and now they've made their own thing. But the, the I think that Parler, my prediction for Parler is that it's just going to become basically they've built into it the ability for it's not algorithm based or, or sorry, it's algorithm based. They they can put whatever they want promoted things into your feed. They're going to make it so that Hannity can just pay them you know some x amount of dollars a month to make sure everybody on Parler sees his posts. I think it's a chance for people like Hannity who didn't get in early on Twitter to have uh, like a huge following uh, on, on a social media network. You know, I, I think it's just like, I, I don't know. It, it seems like it is just like bat, back padding. You and see, money you see, like, hands. it's so strange. You seem almost defensive on Gab's behalf compared to yes. Parler. You don't like I this think upstart. Gab, yeah, that is correct. I think Parler is a money grab. I think the, I think this Torba guy, I think he actually truly believes in Gab. He's on a mission from God. You go on, like you go on Gab right now. The pop, like the Explore I'm tab. I'm going on Parler right t- now. All right, go on Parler. You go on Gab right now. You go to the Explore tab, and the hot posts. The top one is Donald Trump, and the next one is Andrew Torba, the creator of Gab. Wow. <laughs> and then the next that is the Mamas and the Pepes, which I guess is a, a meme. A meme page, the and then Andrew the Torba. It's like he just like made it. a social network for himself. What, what do you make of uh, the parlor slogan, uh, "The World's Town Square"? That's obviously not true. I'm sure there's not a single person from well, some country outside. It's of a the woman, US and f- it looks like a farmers oh, on the, only. I know ad. farmers only. Yeah, it's the yeah. Farmers is, only is the, there's <laughs> a woman in flannel and overalls, overalls and she's waving <laughs> at a cornfield. Right, um, she's as far away from people as you can imagine. <laughs> That's the world's, in town, the world's square. town square. It's the world's town square, man. I look, it's just city a, folk just don't the continuation, the continuation. Well, it is like city folk don't just don't get it because, uh, or just don't understand. What was it? Was it parents don't understand the farmers only ad? I can't remember what the parents was. just don't, parents don't get it. They won't buy you farmers only cereal. Yeah. Uh, um, I, it does seem like the continuation of the greater balkanization, this thing that's going to cause a civil war, uh, in, in the end. And it, but if a civil war happens on Gab, well, did you, will, will we even notice it? <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you think? Yeah. What did you think of that that clip of uh, Bill Maher talking about Parler? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, the, the, yeah. So he brings it up. Well, they clearly nobody else really knew what the fuck to talk about. But I, I thought Bill Maher sounded correct on it, where he was like, well, we're going from having our own feeds on social media networks to having our own social media networks. I, the question to me is if it'll make it so that if we do segregate off into our own social medias, if that will heighten our extremification, if it'll make us all, you know, polarize further within those social networks, or will it actually balance us out? Maybe we need a little breather from each other. Maybe that well, will maybe, happen. but that's the thing. It's like you you put liberals together on Twitter, I guess. Which if we're saying Twitter is a liberal one, and all they do is fight. I mean, I like yeah. can't look at Twitter right now. No, it's just it's terrible. Fucking it's all dem- intra like left. Just yeah, it's all intra. And so I wonder though if <laughs> and, and Biden owned them all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Biden, as the, king. the king of the woods, who has allegedly dementia uh, and just doesn't even know how to use Twitter and just by being a grampy charisma and just being a well and who himself who their campaign said that they didn't pay attention to Twitter which I think yeah. I think, that's, I think, I think it, maybe I think that's like a half truth you know it's yeah. kind of true but, but they certainly paid less attention than like say the the Warren campaign or he, the you know, oh my god yes oh definitely um and it, it is it is funny to me uh, it is, it, it's just funny. And are we going to maybe shift to Substack? I mean, how, All right, what do yeah, you, you what do you talk make? about Substack? So I, I, mean, I, I, my thing, Substack can't get in the business of being a publisher. They need to, they need to be the thing that Obama's questioning. They need to say, Hey, we're just like AT&T. We give people the cell phones. It's not our fault when they send a dick pic to their boss or whatever. But that's not apparently what they're doing. So Substack. So I didn't realize about Substack that it is fun. It's like a Y Combinator project. It's got a ton of VC funding from a bunch of people who are like, you know, free speech kind of people, or, or I don't know. I, to me, what Substack is claiming to be is that, but then you hear all these, like, apparently people are getting like upfront deals, like big, mm. big names are getting upfront deals. They're when, wooing. When Matt Iglesias says he's like, a deal is finishing up. That doesn't, that means, that means he's not just creating a Substack account and sharing it with people. He's getting some big upfront deal, which makes them a media company. I can't believe they're doing this. Everybody who's joined Substack um, in a big way has some fascinating position within the media sphere. That's just mm. my, that's one of my takes where I, I didn't know that Iglesias was regarded as a star in this way or that he would have so many Hosannas because he's just always been such a punching a, bag. A, what's a Hosanna? I don't know, like applaud it, but he's just been <laughs> such a, he's just been such a, such a punching bag in the intra left war all the time. And there's just something about him where he will, he will say things in a way. I, I don't think that he has incredible emotional intelligence, but then maybe people would say that about me where he, he just says things in a way that get him beat up. Um, and I didn't know that I didn't know that he had that kind of cred, but I guess he, I guess he does. I mean, he, he's, I guess it really comes from, you know what your cred on Substack is about in the early days. It seems to be about one's ability to be in blue world, but reap the whirlwind of going against the narrative or one narrative within it. That's the silent be... majority on the left of people who are annoyed by, yeah. uh, it, by it's the, like, like whether liberal... like Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, uh, Andrew Sullivan, um, it, it's all fitting that kind of pattern. And these characters, I guess in, in blue world or in sort of lefty media spaces are, are, um, you know, I think, somewhat reviled probably less so with Taibi um probably most so with Sullivan and Greenwald in between if I'm just sort of ranking it well here's like, my take I don't even Substack. know where to put Iglesias I have no idea yeah, but I'm just I'm just going America, off like right? with the sniping you know Brooklyn uh intelligentsia just I'm just just reading them from afar yeah, but the I, problem well, here, but, the, but here's the problem they're not generating anything interesting they're not generating anything and there seems to be this um resentment of these people going to substack and greenwald is very upfront about it in a cocky way but she says this criticism this sneering the sniping um is from people who are completely propped up by the institutions with the aforementioned cachet who know that they couldn't do it who know that 
being associated with the New York Times is it for them. And mm. that's what you see. And they out. can't stand on their own. So I think that the thing, my take on Substack is that <laughs> I, it mostly makes me sad because I think that it's just the further atomization of media and of media institutions. Like what it's meaning is that, you know, it would have been like, I mean, this is the thing. Gren Greenwald founded The Intercept. Matt Iglesias founded Vox. They created institutions that would use their clout to like kind of create coattails to create a media institution. And we now live in a world where media institutions are completely eroded. And so all of these like larger figures are retreating to an atomized individualism of Substack and because yeah I guess you can make more money at scale if it's just, just you it's funny it's like that's how you see it and my from my writer perspective it's that in the past you would write an article in the New Yorker and you would buy it and you would maybe put it in your house maybe frame it and now you write an email like a glorified email that's so mm-hmm. sad that's so sad it and, is. And, and it's liberating i mean it's it's necessary in the case of glenn greenwald for him to be able to say what he wants to say or matt taibbi or whoever else and I, I guess that it's a good development individually but it just seems to be on an aesthetic level we're just uh, paying people to email us can yeah. you imagine <laughs> we're just yeah. paying people to send us emails that uh, aren't I, I, even I, just directly to us that they're yeah. bcc'd with lots of other people yeah it's not even uh, well, per, it's not even personalized and so um, yeah i think um, that the, the the to the other point of what you're saying and, and why i think it's thing, so cynical the sullivan thing was interesting can i just do an aside on that yeah sure that, that guy made so much money off going to substack mm. and the, here's what was fascinating about that to me is that if I'm on Twitter and I name search Andrew Sullivan, I am just, it's bile. It's pure bile. And not only that, if I went to his New York Magazine article that you would do every Friday and go to the comments, even in the comment section that isn't so socially curated in the way that social media is, it's just people destroying him. And then he joins Substack and has enough of an audience that he's an overnight millionaire. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. very interesting. It, it would, to me, would, would, however you feel about Andrew Sullivan, what that reveals is that the Twitter conversation is bullshit, that it tells you nothing about what people are actually making decisions based on, what they actually like. Um, and these ideas that we're getting of what's popular are often so false, and it's put in the stark relief by a situation like Substack Immersion. <laughs> Yeah, it's just what people it's just what the share the tyranny of the sharer, the tyranny of people who are who like want to say mm-hmm. things out loud on those things yeah. versus people who just want to read things and yes. think about ideas and maybe the talk socio- about them the with sociopathic other bullies who just want to stigmatize others and render them as kind of a power play as beyond the pale. I deal with a little bit of that. Um, you know, I don't like it. I don't get it. I have no interest in doing it to other people. But that does seem to be something that uh, is accelerated and amplified by Twitter. And I think a lot of these institutions mistake it for, I don't know, how everybody feels. And I wonder what the people running New York Mag think right now. Because they weren't paying Sullivan at nearly the level of the business he was able to bring in. And so I, I would like to know from the decision makers what they really think. Is it well, they, we, they, found, we found institutions... him to be so beyond the pale? We thought he was so bad that we had to get rid of him no matter what. Or is there some regret of, 
dude, nobody really cares about us anymore. We don't have anybody that anybody's going to visit. I mean, these institutions are all just beholden to the social media. This it's the same conversation we have all the time. It's like there is no fucking New York, New York mag.com. They're just it's just like Twitter and whatever New York mag.com can like siphon or and I think it's partially that's true because they all, all attention is on social media. But I think also there's what they imagine the conversation to be, which is not on their platform and they're desperate to get the conversation going. So they I think what you're saying is they prioritize the wrong inputs to yeah. what uh, I, I, but I love the analogy that uh, Wesley Yang made that um, the first time people saw a movie and a train came at the screen of the movie theater, nobody knew what to do. People jumped out of the way mm -hmm. because they had never seen a movie before. And they'd never seen a train come at them that could not kill them. And maybe we're just going through the long process of corporations understanding that this noise and this outrage and anger on Twitter is the harmless train and you don't have to jump out of the way. I mean, I, I the, the, to me, I, I keep harping on this. We should just ignore these platforms and all leave them. Destroy and them. Do, and yeah, just Carthage, destroy and go back. Carthage, gonna, must, Carthage must be destroyed. There, this isn't going to help us. All right, so but my second thing about this, the sad Substack email thing, is that I didn't realize the extent that it was VC funded. And it is just so profoundly sad to me also that all we're doing is reverting to blogging. It's it's just another like cockroaches scurrying to the only mm. thing that can survive, oh, which and is they're email. Open about it. Because we've, just because these none, same VCs none, and their culture these, has destroyed the greater internet. None of these people who've joined have said it's a long-term thing or they have any faith in mm. it. It's just, it's, it's not, yeah, Substack isn't Mr. Right. It's Mr. Right now. I mean, that's, mm. that's, that's, uh, that's clear in just how it's spoken of. And this seems to be the model. And I mean, I remember when Deadspin blew up, uh, and I can't even remember what what that all was about, but I recall uh, on the Slate Hang Up and Listen podcast, uh, the former editor was just saying, hey, and if anybody listening uh, has $10 million that they would want to, you know, if you liked what we were doing and you, you want to, you know, fund the next thing. And I was just, it was just interesting to hear it because it was the sense of not that you could do something and stand on your own, but you, that's what you need. You just need VC money to bankroll what you're doing to really be a player in this game, or at least that's how they conceived of it. I mean, I certainly work for a place that's VC back. I mean, is that true? I mean, maybe that's also been always true about media is that they've been bankrolled by fucking, yeah. you know, Hearst and by big, you know, whatever media necessarily is that way. And maybe tech has really, all it's done is just like pulled a So you would back. like Substack, if Substack was a genuinely a pie pirate ship and it was uh there was no money behind it and no vc people and it was just you know, like people having their own websites you would like I, yeah i guess i mean it to me it's like substack like i like look the only things i read are like my favorite things to read are email newsletters but to me but it's because that this is what we're all reverting to i agree that this is sad and temporary but like i you know i love casey newton's newsletter i, I read uh you know the the uh, what's it called the john legum thing or whatever the pop pop jed, jed legum popular information like i read all of these things and i don't go to websites and read columnists or anything like that. I don't even know mm -hmm. who they are. I do think this is a superior way of getting 
content right now. I like uh, I like columnists. I like reading the Taibi newsletter. But again, aesthetically, it's just not it's not how I want it. Yeah, but this is we're all running. We're all going to email and to podcasting. That's like the, the two spaces that haven't been completely decimated by these dopamine assholes who run the big mm. social media companies that are rendering media to be horrible. All right. All right, all right. One last thing I want to talk about, yeah. which is like a deeper psychological thing. Yeah, and I, it's like a, it's something that I've been thinking about, which and is the idea of like what people are really getting angry about when they're on social media and like why people feel like they're being censored and like what mm. what it is. And I think there's this thing that like the promise of social media was that you could whatever you thought you could say. Right. Like that's the idea yeah. about posting is that it's a thought that I have. And then I take that thought and I put it out into the world. And that the promise of social media was this idea that maybe the things that you are thinking are going to be so popular mm. by the world that you're going to be, you know, ushered out like, you know, a diamond in, in the rough and, and, and given your position as king, because maybe you kind of think you see that all the time from people. But in actuality, and, and, and then, so that doesn't happen to people. But then what happens it, it instead... Happened at the, it did happen at the beginning. There was like this, you know, she's a housewife in the middle of Canada and has a million followers. Which oh, is yeah. Um, yeah, what's... Oh, man, Kelly... Uh, Oh man, Kelly Axelrod or something like that. Something uh, like Ke that. Kelly Axelrod, yeah, who, who was funny and then became you know a comedy writer and that's nice. But like I, I uh, but yes, it, it's not really that. And then beyond that, I think because people think that like their thoughts are what go on these platforms, I think they conflate that with their belief that if you're policing speech on those platforms, that you're policing people's thoughts. But that's not what the social media isn't a place for your thoughts. And like publishing something isn't something that most people understand. Publishing is a, an act. It's a job. It's something that like professionals have done historically. And now we're get, asking regular people to understand what it means to publish your thoughts. And I think when you publish your thoughts, you do have a responsibility for those things to be I don't know, good and meaningful. <laughs> and I think people get Maybe scared. Maybe good and meaningful, that... but now you're held to the standard of what the most bad faith uh, opponent would characterize them as. And I right, because think, that's yeah. also what these what these social media platforms incentivize are yeah. the most bad faith, the most well, egregious and extreme, and they, the most they, they incentivize reassuring hatreds. I mean, they incentivize uh, being mean. They incentivize being but, mean. But, but also, re I, I would say reassuring hatreds because it's a hatred that makes sense of the world to you. You understand who the villains are. You understand mm -hmm. why things are bad. It's these people. They're the reason things are bad. That's, there's, a, there's a reassuring aspect. It's not just outrage. And there's a reason why certain things are shared and are more popular um, you know, because they, they fit that that's, that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm getting a little distracted and digressive from what you're saying, this deeper thing that people need to understand. It's not just a place for your, for your thought diary, which is but, unfortunate. But more than... Like it's, it's yet corrupted by this kind of meta awareness because before it was, people would just go on there and yeah, they would maybe. just talk but, honestly. But, but I think what's deeper than that is that it's, it's not saying that you can't have thoughts. It's not saying that you can't have some, you know, um, 
antisocial thoughts or subversive thoughts no. or you can't think it's okay to think things that aren't necessarily things that should be put out into the world broadly and published. There are things that should be published because those are things that are good for the general conversation. And then there are things that should be thought about and talked about, you know, in private or whatever, while you're working those things out. It's, you don't have to, Twitter doesn't have to be a place where you're working out every one of your thoughts. And then you get mad if those thoughts are censored because that's not it's, what it, it is. It sounds so, so much like you're, you're really talking about something Julie is doing, your, your wife. And it's like, it's not, it's not a place to just complain about your husband. It's, it's not, just it's not, not, okay? You don't, you're not supposed to be on here talking about how he only wants to cook spicy foods. Like, not everybody wants to cook spicy foods. That was too, you made it too adorable. You, you kind of heard mm. the joke right there. It's like, I heard on, the joke not... by making it sweet about my, what am I, I'm not yeah. saying bad about my wife. I love my wife. No, but Fuck it was you, supposed man. to be bad Fuck about you for yourself. trying to drag me out. No, no, it was supposed to be something about ba- myself. Yeah, so uh, legitimately oh, bad. I, I don't know. But that's the main <laughs> thing she complains about is I keep making things too spicy. Yeah. It is a legitimate problem. <laughs> or it can be. Your your zeal for thrill. But There's just two of should... us, so you make a meal for two. You know, it's hard to... We, 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 we should wrap up uh, because I have to pick up my son. Um, it, it can't just leave. The tyranny be, of the ash. God, it would be so, because it's raining torrentially. It would be so bad. It'd be uh, like Homer Simpson for getting oh, part of soccer yeah, practice. You got to grab him. You got to grab him. But this was fun, Matt. I look forward to how I've accidentally angered somebody and, and whatnot. Hopefully. And, well, I don't know. We usually only get positive feedback. Well, yeah, stuff. we get positive feedback, but it always seems like a risk. It always seems like this is the thing Ooh, that would get me, we're that so would get me fired and then like why did i do it uh, other yeah. than what was glorious conversation with you yeah we could have just had this on the phone which is what we <laughs> normally do yeah, uh well yeah. well you're welcome uh, listeners for the brave yeah. conversation that you heard here by two of the most courageous people alive yeah man you'll see us on Substack. you know <laughs> do you think about making a Substack? is Substack appealing to you i am i am in a very uh fruitful uh relationship arrangement with the athletic they give me everything i need hmm. uh so there will be no talk no talk of that sir no talk but... of that i i don't like because i don't like i'm not a solo guy i like doing stuff with people and that sub stack is for fucking loser loners <laughs> yeah well you know that's that's the future it's uh, for a bunch of subs atomization um okay yeah, I, like these atom- I don't like atoms i like molecules yeah, i don't like atoms i like molecules i like molecules why did you start sounding like john lennon right there? <laughs> oh damn it i was trying to do trump is that my trump is a john lennon <laughs> i don't like atoms i like molecules <laughs> yeah it's it's that's way more trump. John that's my trump ethan <laughs> oh fuck let's say something like i i wouldn't say gab's bigger than jesus <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people are saying uh, Gab's bigger than Jesus. I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say Gab's bigger than that, Jesus. Now it's Trump again. What, now, you're it's all Trump. Over the... <laughs> now it's Trump. Now that I want it to be Lennon, it's fucking Trump. Oh, fuck. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. <laughs> I can get shot on Fifth Avenue by... What was it? Who fucking shot him? I prefer people who get shot in Fifth Avenue and don't <laughs> die. <laughs> I... I prefer people who get shot from the Dakota Hotel and don't die. Uh, 